0: Surely you've heard the news that Beth Moore left the Southern Baptist Church. I mean, it was all over the place a couple of weeks ago. Her name is as big as it's ever been. People still following after her teaching, which is a big problem when we understand the text. Many of the Bible stories and verses we think we know we don't. When We Understand the Text is an online ministry dedicated to teaching the Word of God in context, promoting sound doctrine while exposing the faulty. Here's your teacher, Pastor Gate. Thank you, Becky, who is not recording with me today. She and the kids went back to Kansas to see her mom and dad, where they've been for the past week. I've been home alone, and it's been awful. (laughs) I haven't enjoyed this at all. They're on their way back down to Texas Monday. Becky's mom and some of our friends there got their way, and Becky will be staying there through the weekend. So pray for them that they have a safe trip. Please, my whole family is in one vehicle together. Uh, it's probably good that she's not on the program with me today, and you'll figure out why here in just a moment. But before getting to our first question, let me read from 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 3. The Apostle Paul writing to his protege, Timothy. and a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make their confident assertions. The first question that we have today was actually on my schedule to answer last week, but we didn't leave enough time to get to it. This is from Mary in Missouri, and she says, Hello, Pastor Gabe and Becky. I know that Becky does not like this topic. (laughs) So now you know why it's good for (laughs) Becky to not be with me while I answer this question today. But Mary goes on. I was wondering if you could share your thoughts. Maybe that means expressing your delight regarding the news that Beth Moore has left the Southern Baptist Convention. I'd like to share it with some friends. Perhaps if Gabe doesn't play any clips from Beth Moore, Becky would be able to stomach it. (laughs) Uh, And then she ends with a little smiley face there. In case you're new to the program, my wife is not a big fan of Beth Moore and even less of a fan of me playing clips of Beth Moore whenever we've analyzed some things she's done in her teaching. So what are my thoughts about Beth Moore leaving the Southern Baptist Convention? If you are not up on the news, this was a big story that broke on March 9th by the Religion News Service, announcing that Beth Moore was leaving the Southern Baptist Convention. This was probably the biggest story that RNS has ever done. It was repeated by many major outlets. It trended on Twitter. My pastor, Tom Buck, the senior pastor here at First Baptist Church in Lindale, He did an article in response. I think it published the next day through uh, through the G3 blog site that he's got. But he said there he was grieved over Beth Moore's departure. And the reason why was because what should have happened was the Southern Baptist Church should have confronted her in her false teaching and called her to repentance. Lifeway, who has been a major publisher of Beth Moore over the years, should likewise have been confronted or should have confronted her. But that's not what happened. Instead, Beth Moore left the Southern Baptist Church in the most Beth Moore fashion possible. She drew a lot of attention to herself. She made herself out to be the hero, and she blamed others. That's the way she does things. She's been doing it that way for years. And I have been following her for a long time. I've been a pastor for over 10 years, but before that, I was in Christian radio. And we used to promote when churches would do her simulcasts, right? The, the live video conference of her events. And we would give away books of hers on the air. So there would be times I'd be sitting in the studio and I'd pick up one of her books and I would read it. And I could I could tell it was garbage. It sounded a lot like Joyce Meyer to me, which, by the way, somebody that Beth Moore pals around with. That's something else that she should have been called out on her associations with these prosperity heretics. As far as I can tell, Lifeway does not sell Joel Osteen and Joyce Meyer books, right? So why are they okay with Beth Moore going and speaking at that events and doing ministry with them or the Crouches or anybody else? She should have been called out for this stuff. If their teaching is so bad, Lifeway won't sell it. Why is it okay for Beth Moore to be involved in it? Beth Moore is a false teacher, and that's not a statement I'm just going to say and let it sit there. I'm going to give you examples of that here in just a moment. Her teaching is very man-centered or woman-centered. She will read things into the text that are not there, even adding things to the story if it suits her point. She's also an egalitarian. She believes that women can serve as pastors and be in that teaching authority over men, contrary to what Paul says later on in 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And then Paul gives the reason for that. He points back to the order of creation. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now, Dr. Owen Strand, who's professor at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, he's called Beth Moore a functional egalitarian meaning that she may profess to be a complementarian but she's egalitarian she will teach over men and she encourages women to teach over men now in response to that beth moore said the following she said quote i have brought a message from a pulpit in an sbc church service about 15 times in 40 years beth is being deliberately dishonest with that quote Look at it again very carefully. I've brought a message from a pulpit in an SBC church about 15 times in 40 years. That might be true, but she has regularly taught over men, Over the course of those four decades, you can find video evidence of it. And I'm not just talking about her conferences. It's also her televised Bible teaching things. When I did my video responding to Beth Moore explaining why her teaching is a problem, the 90 second what video. I didn't have to search very far to find the stuff that I used in that video. If I was looking for her teaching over men, it was the first video I found. If I was looking for examples of her adding something to the Bible, it was the first video I found. This is the stuff she regularly does. It's not It's not difficult to find this stuff. So it's wrong of her to say. She's being deliberately dishonest there to say, I've only taught in what she's probably saying, a pulpit on a Sunday morning in a Southern Baptist church. I've only done that 15 times over the last 40 years. It's nonsense. She's deceiving you. And as Michelle Leslie responded to that particular quote, she said, this is like saying I've only committed adultery or lied or coveted or slandered or murdered or gotten drunk 15 times in 40 years. Beth Moore has no conviction regarding what is said in First Timothy, Chapter two and First Corinthians, Chapter 14, about a woman teaching or having authority over men. And like I said, she encourages women to fill those pulpit roles. You can go to Twitter and find examples of her having done that over the last several years. I featured uh, even one tweet between her and another woman in that video that uh, that I did showing her encouraging another woman to do that. A last point that I will make about Beth Moore's false teaching is that she also believes in extra biblical revelation. And even in her books, you see evidence of this. I'll show that here in just a moment where she'll have she'll be talking about something and like God told her something. She heard the voice of God speaking to her in the middle of reading something. So she went and did what God told her to do, or that God will tell her what this verse means. All of this is, is extra biblical. It's as though she's on this, this place with God that God speaks to her and tells her these things so that if you disagree with what she says, it's the same as disagreeing with God himself. She puts her teaching on that authoritative level. It's as though it's apostolic. Now she's not going to say that, but functionally, that's how it's applied What she says is what God told me to say, and so therefore you have to listen to it, you have to agree with it. I, I, I see very little difference between what she teaches, what Joyce Meyer teaches, what Stephen Furtick does. He does the exact same thing. He will say God told him to say this. And he will add things to the text that are not there as long as it serves the example that he wants to give. And his doctrine is very man centered. This is exactly the kind of false teaching that we've been calling out in the Southern Baptist Church over the last couple of decades. Beth Moore is in it. She's done it. She's been the queen of it. She should have been called out for it. She hasn't. And now she's left the SBC throwing the Southern Baptist Convention under the bus. And it's crazy. Just how some people have been fawning over her for this. It's almost like somebody in a bad relationship where one person's just verbally abusive and they just keep saying these bad things about you and you just say, yeah, you're right. I am. I'm terrible. I'm the problem. It's my fault. Beth Moore got rich off of the Southern Baptist Convention and she left it. And as convinced Southern Baptists, they're the reasons why. Just consider these words that were written yesterday by Mike Leek, a pastor in Missouri. This is a little bit lengthy, so bear with me here. But he says, I have a confession to make and an apology to give to Beth Moore. This is my story, and I'm not intending to imply it's true of all others, but I bet I'm not alone. I used to call Beth Moore a false teacher, probably seven to ten years ago. I did not encourage others to do her Bible studies. In fact, I discouraged it. I had never read her stuff. Now, let me break there for a moment to say that's not my story. <laughs> I had read her stuff, had listened to her for years, and it was based on what I had heard that I said that Beth Moore was a false teacher. So going on here, Leek says, so why did I do this? Number one, I had read snippets. Number two, I believe discernment bloggers. Number three, I allowed an untested narrative to develop in my mind but more than anything i saw many women in the churches i served devouring her stuff she ministered to them and i was not connecting with them well i was incredibly insecure and immature so i assumed she was the problem i was some women agreed with my assessment the fur- this further confirmed my bias and so i carried on this assumption for a while But as I slowly matured, I took the path of just ignoring her stuff. I did not call her a false teacher, but I also steered our Bible studies away from her stuff. Last fall, we did a Beth Moore study at my suggestion. What changed? Number one, a few years ago, my view of her changed. My uninformed bias was questioned. I was so wrong. Number two. I read her for myself. She loves Jesus. She teaches the Bible. She's bold. She is a powerful speaker. Sure, I don't agree with her on everything, but nothing significant. I'm not pre-trib, for one. But we do Bible studies all the time where I don't agree with everything the author says. Why was I so passionate about not doing her stuff? I was scared of her influence. Beth, I'm sorry. Attitudes like this is part of why you left the SBC. I get it. I covered up my insecurities with doctrine and blamed you. And you were harmed because of me. Please forgive me. And as always, I would credit Jesus and my wife with helping me grow up. There is so much more personal growth stuff to this story. But I wanted to say publicly that I was wrong and I'm sorry. I was part of the problem with culture in SBC. Now I want to be part of the solution. Well, I can tell you most emphatically, my friends, that if the solution to this is to be teaching Bethmore Bible studies, it is going to lead the Southern Baptist Convention into more and more error, no pun intended. So like I said, I was not just going to leave this statement of Beth Moore being a false teacher. Just sit out there. I was actually going to give you an example of this. So let's draw from just like the most basic place that Beth Moore's teaching has gone out, and that has been the Christian church library. Okay, (laughs) let's go to a church library and grab a book that's got her stuff in it. I'm picking the book called A Woman and Her God. And by the way, this was just a random grab. I did not go looking for this particular book, but I picked up this one because her name was on it. She's got the name that is largest on the front of the book, though there are other uh, persons who contributed to the authorship of this book. The first devotional uh, lesson in the book is hers, and she's teaching on Psalm 63. So this is a random grab. And we're just reading something from Beth Moore in this book to see if the teaching that she offers actually is sound and in its doctrine and in its theology. Now, in one place where I will agree with Mike Leak is that she is a she's a really good teacher. She really is. She is very charismatic. Women just hang on her every word. There is a reason why she's been so popular. But I think her popularity is more than just her charismatic way of communicating her lessons. It's also because she teaches a very man-centered or rather woman-centered doctrine, and that's very attractive. We've seen that over the course of, uh, of American evangelicalism for decades. It's the reason why prosperity theology are among the most popular books that are sold out there. Beth Moore teaches a form of prosperity light. She may not go as far as saying you can have that house that you want if you believe it and you ask God for it and he will give it to you. She may not go that far. Joel Osteen has gone that far. <laughs> but she will nevertheless promise things that the Bible doesn't promise. Now, at her most basic Even when you like pull up those teachings of hers where you would say, well, it looks like she loves God and she wants other people to love God. Even at her most basic, her teaching just does not go high enough. Even in those places where she's just talking about God, she loves God and she wants other people to love God. Listen, I don't doubt her intentions. I can't judge her heart. She may be completely genuine. But I can judge her teaching. In fact, I'm supposed to as a pastor based on what we've read here in First Timothy chapter one. And you just consider the qualifications for a pastor in Titus chapter one in verse nine. It says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. In the churches where I have been a pastor, we have not allowed Beth Moore Bible studies. And when somebody is wanting to present her stuff, I say no, and I have to explain to them why it is wrong. And that's one of the things that Mike Leak just did not understand. He says that, uh, you know, seven or ten years ago when he was calling Beth Moore a false teacher, he had never read her stuff. So he didn't know why she was a problem. And it's one of the reasons why he's now... So swayed in the other direction where he's now endorsing her teaching and and praising what she does and leading Bethmore Bible studies in his own church. In First Timothy, chapter three, verse two, it says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober minded. Another word for that is temperate. When you read that in the NASB, temperate is the word that's used there. And it means that. A pastor is firm. He is fixed on what God's word says, and he's not easily swayed this direction or that direction by changing ideas. And unfortunately, there are people who are changing their mind about Beth Moore because they forgot why she was such a problem in the first place. This book, A Woman and Her God, goes back to 2003, so this is almost two decades ago, but I don't think Beth Moore's teaching has changed. I think she's tempered herself a little bit, and I think part of the reason for that is because of who she worked for. (laughs) I think there were some things where she had to be careful because she represented Lifeway, but she's not under the LifeWay umbrella anymore. There's no one else that she has to answer to. She is an entity unto herself. It's just Beth Moore and Living Proof Ministries. So I think we're going to see her become more radical, but I don't think that uh, the teaching she's been doing in recent years has been anything different than what she was doing 20 years ago. So here we go. This is uh, a woman and her God. I'm starting on page 8. After Beth Moore has shared Psalm 63, and now she's teaching on that particular psalm. Here's what she says. An unsatisfied soul is an accident waiting to happen. Consider the saying, nature abhors a vacuum. Human nature also abhors a vacuum. In other words, we avoid feeling empty and always find ways to fill it. God created that void that we would seek him. We are not satisfied by simply accepting salvation and then ascending to heaven when the time comes. Instead, God wants us to have a relationship with him during our lifetime. When we don't, we set ourselves up for disaster. If we don't find satisfaction with God, we will look for it somewhere else. Now, is that true? There's a certain sense in which you could say that's true. Yes. In fact, in Romans 1:21, it says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. But, of course, what the scripture is saying here in Romans chapter one is much more to the point and sharper than anything that Beth Moore said here and her presentation of bible teaching is always going to be really soft. It's it's not going to be this hard-hitting thing of if you continue in your sin and you don't repent, you could come unto the under the judgment of God and you will perish forever in hell. Beth Moore is never going to say anything like that, okay? So this sort of teaching that she presents right here. She says that we've got this void, this vacuum that God created so we would seek him. Let's focus on that statement there. Is that true? Well, that I would say most definitely not. Did God create a void in our hearts that we would seek him? Where's the scripture on that? Where in the Bible does it say that we have been created with a hole and we're, we're meant to fill that hole with God, but we try to fill it with all, with all this other kind of stuff? Now, you probably know this comes from C.S. Lewis, right? The the God-shaped hole. I think it was in Mere Christianity where he talked about that. But it's, it's not true. It's an interesting analogy, but you cannot find a basis for it in Scripture. We do have a void, but where did that void come from? That void came from our sin. It's when we sinned against God, and we are separated from God. And that void is so vast, we can't cross it. And no amount of good works that we do, no amount of worldly things that we fill that with, no matter what philosophy we pursue or religion we go after, it will never fill that gap. That void is there because of our sin. And the fact that there is a gap between us and God is part of the curse. It is God having separated himself from us because he's incredibly holy and we are not. And this is that, you know, that evangelism uh, uh, tool that you've seen before where you draw a cliff on one side and a cliff on the other. And here's man over here and God is over here. And there's this gap in the middle. You know, you can really only make the gap as big as your piece of paper, I guess, that you're using to draw this illustration or a napkin. Because sometimes it gets called like the napkin evangelism illustration. So anyway, uh, you've got this gap there and we can't get across that gap. We can't get to God. But he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And Christ bridges the gap between sinful man and a holy God. So then in that illustration, you draw a cross right there in between the two ledges, man on one side, God on the other. Jesus has bridged that gap that we may get to God. Jesus is the one who fills that void. When we come to faith, when we hear the gospel and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we get to God through Christ. But you don't see anything here from Beth Moore about that, which which is why, like I said, when you hear what she says, it might sound right, but it just doesn't go high enough. It just doesn't take you high enough. It's still a very man-centered doctrine. That's what this is. It's man-centered, that we have this void, and we're just trying to fill it with all this stuff, but what we're meant to fill it with is God. That's not biblical. There's nothing in the Bible that talks about that. What the Bible does say is that no one seeks for God, so we would not even be looking for God to fill up the void with him anyway. (laughs) Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one person. In Colossians chapter two, I mentioned this yesterday when we were in our study of Proverbs nine, but to the Colossians, Paul says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And in verse four, he says, I say this to you in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And that's what Beth Moore's teaching is. It's plausible. It sounds about right. It sounds like it's there, but it never really goes high enough. And then there's that extra biblical revelation. And like I said, there's certain things that she does you can just kind of expect is going to come from Beth Moore. And even in this short little devotional lesson, there's a section where God tells her to go do something and she does it. And she says, I wonder why God had called me to do this. And then God speaks to her again and explains to her why he was going to have her do the thing that she did. It's extra biblical revelation. It's it's right in line with the Sarah Young stuff, Jesus calling, where she's doing that automatic writing. And whatever thoughts come into her head is what Jesus is saying to her. And she's writing that out. Yet she says it's not on par with scripture. Well, why not? If it comes from God and you know it cannot be wrong, how is it not equal to Scripture? Same thing with the voices that Beth Moore says that she hears, that God tells her to do things and she does them. How do you know that was God? One time, God told her that the Catholic Church was his church. No, it's not. That's how I know God is not speaking to her. The Catholic Church is heresy. We should never encourage somebody to go there. We're trying to win people out of the Catholic Church, not send them there. They're not partners with us on the mission field. They're part of the mission field. And then there's the other problems Beth Moore comes with her partnership with prosperity heretics. Uh, There's the fact that she can't call homosexuality sin that she very rarely, if ever, says anything about abortion. She most certainly doesn't tell women that modern feminism is a lie from the pit of hell that will, that will consume you if you're not careful about the ways of the culture. But rather than warning about the, the wickedness of this present age, Beth Moore is going to the past and erasing statements that could be deemed offensive in the future and potentially hurt her career. Just consider her book, praying God's word which was published in 2009 a couple of years ago she went into the Kindle version of this book and deleted a paragraph where homosexuality is called sin she said that God is showing me some things about sexual strongholds and cited promiscuity pornography and homosexuality as undermining the sanctifying work of Christ She said that homosexuality is another deadly assault of the evil one in our society. This is what she said in her 2009 book. But she had all of that deleted and hoped that she wouldn't get caught, but somebody noticed. And so then she had to give an explanation for it. And in a blog that she posted on her website on July 6, 2019, she said, quote, I exceeded scripture and singled out same sex sin as particularly satanic, unquote. Well, it is satanic. It's 100% satanic. A person who is in homosexual sin, who will not repent, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's explicitly stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, and in 1 Timothy one ten, and is specifically singled out, taking up a significant chunk of Romans chapter 1. But, you know, whenever Beth apologizes for anything, she always has to redirect the course. Like, why are you looking at me? Why aren't you looking at this stuff? If you're bothering me and you're not focusing on this, then who are you to call me out? And I could give you numerous examples of her doing this. But in this very blog, she goes on to say, quote, here is what I no longer have the stomach for after the last several years, the hypocrisy burgeoning from hyper fundamentalist Christianity. I do not lack a scriptural view of sin. I just believe in a longer list of serious sins than some, unquote. Once again, Beth Moore playing herself out to be the hero, puffing herself up and attracting whatever attention to herself that she can while throwing others under the bus in the process. It's what she does. I know that there are many who think of Beth Moore as being quite a sweetheart. That's not the side of her I've seen. She can be particularly nasty. You just think about the controversy that happened uh, January a couple of years ago regarding the Covington Catholic High School kids at the Lincoln Memorial. Now, I don't have the time to really go into an explanation of all of this, but uh, if you remember the whole... Covington Catholic High School brouhaha that happened when Nicholas Sandman was confronted by Native American activist Nathan Phillips, who was beating a drum in his face. Sandman was standing there with a red Make America Great Again hat, and he was smiling. It was a pretty tense situation. How would you respond in the midst of that situation? But because he was smiling, Beth Moore said of this kid, to glee in dehumanizing any person is so utterly anti-Christ, it reeks of the vomit of hell. And she went on to say, I cannot shake the terror of adolescence, already indoctrinated enough in hate and disrespect to smile that chillingly and jeer without shame or fear of God. uncurbed this utter glee in dehumanizing is what humanitarian horrors are made of. Wow. That's what she said about Nicholas Sandman. Do you know what happened to Sandman? Well, there were many media outlets that said similar things about him, which was all slander. He sued them and won millions and millions of dollars. Beth Moore should be thanking him for not suing her. But most especially, she should be apologizing for what she said, but she won't. She deleted the tweet, swept all that under the rug. You'll never hear of it again. And there's other people, personal friends of mine that she has been nasty to. And and people just think she's just this darling person and that somehow she's a victim. My friends, she is a multimillionaire. (laughs) Uh, Julie Royce wrote that big story on John MacArthur, a man who has been faithfully teaching the scriptures for over 50 years. Sound doctrinal teaching. And Royce went after him over the fact that he owns three homes, one of which the one that he actually lives in worth over a million dollars. Well, he bought it over 40 years ago, and he paid $100,000 for it then. So it's just accumulated in value. And the other two homes that he has are not what Julie Roy said they were. And the picture that she posted on her article wasn't even a picture of John MacArthur's house. It was totally dishonest, everything she said. And if you see the interview between uh, Phil Johnson and uh, and Justin Peters over it, it really puts things into perspective. Where's Julie Roy's article over all the houses that Beth Moore owns? Beth Moore used the Southern Baptist Convention and Lifeway and got rich. And when Lifeway wasn't lucrative for her anymore, she dumped it and made a big public scene of it. I mean, you have to recognize some of this. Lifeway is going into the tank. They shut down all their brick and mortar stores. They're selling their main headquarters in Nashville. Beth Moore is bigger than Lifeway, so it's just better for her to go off and do her own thing. But instead of doing that quietly and thankfully, she used the Southern Baptist Church one last time on her way out the door to draw attention to herself. And that's what I saw with the RNS article that was published a couple of weeks ago. In summary of all the things we've talked about here over the last half hour, here is the 90-second video that I did on the problems with Beth Moore. Beth Moore is one of the most well-known women Bible teachers, but her teaching is very concerning. Here are four problems with Beth Moore. Now, this is not calling into question her love for Christ, but not everyone who loves God is a qualified teacher. First, she makes the Bible about you. Her lessons are man-centered, or woman-centered, appealing strongly to emotion, and she interprets the text to fit her topic. One thing was between them and their land of promise, and it was the Jordan River. This will always be the case, that whatever stands between you and your land of promise will always be at flood stage. Second, egalitarianism. Continuing to undercut the authority of Scripture, Beth defies God's instruction that women are not to teach over the men of the church. God has ordained men to be the shepherds, and what she is doing is shameful. Third, her ties to prosperity theology. Now, Beth has said Jesus never promised us a health and wealth prosperity gospel life, yet her teaching is prosperity light. She promises things God doesn't promise. Worse still, she ministers with prosperity wolves like Joyce Meyer, Brian Houston, and the Osteens. Fourth, Beth says she hears from God and receives visions from Him. God began to say to me, I'm going to tell you something right now, Beth. Boy, you rock this one down, and you say it as often as I give you utterance to say it. What do you call a teacher who misuses and defies God's Word, keeps company with heretics, and claims to receive divine instruction apart from Scripture? The Bible calls them a false teacher when we understand the text. Friends, I thank you for listening to the broadcast today. If you have any questions you'd like to have answered on the Friday episode send them to when we understand the text at gmail.com. Becky sends her greetings. I talked to her on the phone before recording this program. She wishes she could be here, but God willing she'll be on with me next week. We get back to our study of 1 Corinthians on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, Proverbs on Thursday, and then another Q&A on Friday. Let's finish up with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the goodness that you have shown to us in Jesus Christ, our savior. I pray that we would not go after any different doctrine or devote ourselves to myths and speculations, but we would love the sound word of God, the stewardship from God that is by faith. May the aim of our charge when we share these words with others, may it be in love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. I pray that you would convict Beth Moore and others who have gone after her teaching and those who teach like her, that they would come back to the sound truth that is given to us in the Bible, not swerving into vain discussion, but holding firm to the trustworthy word as taught, that we may give instruction to one another in sound doctrine and rebuking those who contradict it, but doing this with gentleness and respect." May we be bold to share the gospel, warning about the judgment of God that is to come against sin, the eternal hell that a person will be cast into if they do not repent, that they may turn to Christ, have faith in Jesus, and live. Thank you for sending someone to preach the gospel to us, and may we not withhold it from anyone else, showing no partiality, courageously contending for the faith and the teaching that accords with godliness. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is When We Understand the Text with Pastor Gabe Hughes. There are lots of great Bible teaching programs on the web, and we thank you for selecting ours. But this is no replacement for regular fellowship with a church family. Find a good, gospel-teaching, Christ-centered church to worship with this weekend, and join us again Monday for more Bible study, When We Understand the Text.